Welcome to the Randy Report. I'm Randy Slavacek, your host. I'm also the writer and editor of therandyreport.com, where you can find me every single day on the internet reporting on the daily news cycle in terms of politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBTQ community and its allies. Musician and now author Brandon James first captivated millions as a finalist on season eight of America's Got Talent in 2013, where he received high praise from the judges for his emotional operatic vocals. During his time in the national spotlight, he hit more than one perfect note as he shared details of his coming out story and his broken ties with his religious family with the TV audience. In his recently released memoir, Lyrics of My Life, My Journey with Family, HIV, and Reality TV, Brandon highlights the conflicts of growing up gay in a world that looked upon his true self and beliefs as an impractical, sinful way of life. Through it all, he was surprised by one startling realization, how vital it is to be completely authentic in order to help others as well as to continue to heal himself. Brandon continued to inspire his fans by publicly sharing his struggles with depression, overcoming the tumultuous time when he was diagnosed with HIV, and being a victim of sexual assault, all while still identifying with the Christian faith. Lyrics of My Life is authentically Brandon, sparing no details about his lack of stability as a young adult, estrangement from his close-knit family, and, despite it all, his unbreakable will to overcome adversity. Searching for his own personal freedom, Brandon finds reconciliation with his family, rediscovers his faith, and realizes that affliction and hardship are not what defines us as human beings. Since his time on America's Got Talent, Brandon has performed for the Pope and the Mandela family in South Africa. He's also performed at the Metropolitan Opera, Los Angeles Opera, and Lyric Opera of Chicago. He currently tours internationally with his husband, Australian cellist James Clark, in a cello and vocal duo called Brandon and James. I met Brandon a few years ago when he and James were in residency in Puerto Vallarta, so I was thrilled to connect with him about his new memoir. As I mentioned in my chat with him, I rarely do stories about authors and books as I have a famously short attention span, which I've mentioned many times here on The Randy Report. I think I've done a total of three interviews this year with authors, but I have to admit, once I started Brandon's book, I honestly couldn't put it down. Let's take a listen to Brandon and James take on the iconic Hallelujah, just one of the songs that won James so much acclaim on America's Got Talent. And then we'll chat with the terrifically talented Brandon James. Hallelujah, hallelujah. 
I took the name in vain Well, I don't even know the name And if I did, well, really, what's it to ya? There's a blaze of light in every word It doesn't matter what you've heard The holy or the broken Hallelujah 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 as I live and breathe. How are you? How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I really enjoyed reading your book. Congratulations. First thing I want to ask you about the book is what inspired you to write the autobiography? I think of you as being so young, and I'm like, he wrote an autobiography <laughs> already? Like, Because I think of you as you're 30. How old are you? Do you mind me asking? You say. You say. No, no, I'm 41. That's what I thought. I'm, I'm, I'm 41, yeah. I'll be 42 in, in June. Brandon, I read that, and I almost fell out of my chair. You are so young-looking. I just never – I thought you were like 30, seriously. Anyway, not that this thing wrong with being 41. Oh, <laughs> oh well, thank you. I'll, you can stay. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> I've never had any plans to be a writer. I, I've never had any dreams of writing a book. It was nothing like that. It's just that I, I started writing blogs for our website because our social media manager at the time said it, it improved our um, – search engine optimization score, SEO score, mm -hmm. so which I'm sure you know all about. So I started writing them regularly, and a couple of literary agents approached me and said, these are good stories, we ah. should turn it into a book. So I thought, hey, wh why not? The, the adventure picked me, and I chose to go on it. So that's what that was all about. So next, 
they asked you to write a book, it would seem to me the next big question would be how in-depth are you going to get? Did, did you mull over? Because you are, you are bravely, courageously, and wonderfully open about a lot of things. And I could go into it. I could list them all, or I could go into it, but we'll discuss it as we go. But you're open about a lot of things. Did you have to negotiate with yourself, or was there ever a question of, hmm, do I say that, or... Yeah, well, when I sat down with the publisher and, and the editor that I was working with to, to kind of get some uh, brainstorming some ideas about how we were going to write it, she, you know, she said memoirs are often uh, written in chronological order. So I, I started thinking about which events I wanted to tell stories about, because we all have so many stories, even in 65,000 words, you can't tell them all even if you're a young person who's written a memoir. But I decided then, at, at that moment, that whatever was going to come out on the paper from the pen was going to be truth and honesty. And I, I, didn't, I wasn't going to edit myself at the risk of offending anybody or shocking anybody or uh, putting myself in a vulnerable place. I just thought that this is a story that I was given an opportunity to tell that I wasn't expecting um, to tell. In, in a public format, so I, I decided to be brave and and just share what was on my heart and what I thought was important. Well, you did that. I have to say, was there any particular chapter or episode that, as you remembered it, was difficult to relive or to put down on paper? Something that might have surprised you or or in revisiting it felt differently than you thought it would? Oh, absolutely. It, I... um. I've done a lot of evolving over the years since I was on America's Got Talent and came, you know came out and told about the struggles of my family and all that. This was really cathartic writing it. I, I was in tears a lot. My poor husband had to endure that <laughs> while we were traveling. I, there was there were several parts. Obviously, my my HIV diagnosis. Remembering all of that in detail, it it was such a blur at the time and. Forcing myself to remember it in so much detail really um, brought back a lot of painful things that I had forgotten about. Also, recalling a lot of stories about early struggles with my family. I, I remember I was in a particularly vulnerable place, and I called my mom, and and I was angry with her again. Like it, it brought back real, real anger, and and I, I you know, I, I wasn't very nice to her to be honest. Um, I didn't know where it was coming from, and. I called her a couple of days later and just apologized, and I said, "I'm, I'm so sorry. We, I know we're past this. I don't know why all this emotion's coming up, but it happens." It does. It does. Yeah, there were a lot of things that were were hard to recall, um, uh, difficult to recall. But I'm, I'm I'm happy I did it, and I really feel like I'm a changed person for having put all that on paper. You mentioned the HIV diagnosis, and it was so vividly captured, and I knew I wanted to talk about it. What you describe is what I always imagine the actual like thought process would be, and the way you write about it is, and your mind just starts racing, it, it, and it reads as if your mind is racing. It was just all very vivid, and I, I think it's a good thing because people need to understand that an HIV diagnosis, we now have protease inhibitors, the antiretrovirals, you take a pill, you can be hopefully undetectable. There's a thing about being HIV positive that for some young people today, the idea, well, it's a pill, so what's the difference? 
But when mm-hmm. you hear the words and you're, you're in the moment yourself and it's you, there's a difference. It does. Which is, which is an understatement of the year. Could you just expound on that a little bit or and how you feel about sharing it? Yeah. I, I had some older friends who are long-term survivors who are, are still living and contracted it. I have a friend who believes he contracted it as early as 1978 in New York City, like way back in the day. Um, and he's in his well into his 60s and he's fine and, and healthy. So I had some people to to lean on kind of and and I had some uh some friends who had been through it and and been through it in a much stronger forceful way. I was still at the tail end of not knowing for sure if this is something that I I could die of related causes from or um it was also in, in the period where doctors recommended not to take medication right away. Mm-hmm. So I didn't take medication for three years, and now, 99.9% of the time, they prescribe, they send you home with a prescription on the day of your diagnosis. You, you start taking things because now they say treat, treat immediately. And at the time, that they were still unsure about some of the long-term side effects, and they said treat when you need to. So, I waited three years. And I ended up coming down with thrush and went to the doctor, and my viral load had spiked up to. Some crazy number, um, he's, and he said, yeah, it's time for you to start taking medication. Um, but just being in, in in a mindset where you discover that potentially you might die from something that you contracted, just being in that mindset, um, which a, a lot of people on the planet today in the age of COVID-19 can probably relate really well to this. It does something to your psyche. It changes it changes who you are. It changes the trajectory of your future. It it made me think about life in different ways, both good and bad. I probably lived it up a little too much after that because I thought, well, I might not be here, and I can't wind. take my money with me. Right. <laughs> yeah. So there was there was that sort of mindset that came along with my diagnosis, which I I didn't know how to deal with. I was a young person and wasn't mature enough to really understand exactly what what all that was it's interesting it's it's such a specific episode in everyone's life that goes through it and even if you get a negative i remember the first time i took an hiv test i was i guess i was living in la at the time and i'd done nothing unsafe but i was still scared to death for some strange Mm -hmm. reason we have these fears and also things that are out in the media and we tell ourselves these things and also i think Sometimes just having an imagination takes you into places that maybe doesn't even help you in those situations because you think, well, if I, if I, if I, and then mm-hmm. you get an answer. So um, I did appreciate that you're so open about it because it's a good thing that people hear this thing it, it, on a completely different level in a, on the other side of the spectrum of serious things in the world. It was a good thing that Will and Grace was so open about gay people and having them on TV, and it helped so many people by having Will and Jack and letting us see them, and visibility lets us know that these people exist, and they're not dangerous, and they're not going to hurt us, and blah, blah, blah. And I think the same thing about HIV, being open about an HIV diagnosis, because the more we see someone like you who's successful, and you're thriving, and you're doing awesome things, and you're all over the the planet performing 
I think that helps people a lot to know, oh my gosh, everything's awesome, great things are still possible. It, it's not a death sentence and things like that. So I, I, I applaud you for being so open about it, into the detail you did. And you're very human in writing and finding the words that you did. So congratulations for that. Thank you. Thank you. I, I really wanted to also bring attention to to younger people, what some generations before mine went through and um, how grateful I am to those generations who fought for funding and for more medications and, and you know, had to really fight hard mm-hmm. um, to to get some of the things that happened. I know our our president at the time in the 80s turned a blind eye to it. So I don't know if a lot of young people really understand what it was like in the 80s when people were losing friends left and right. Um, and I, I wanted to to capture that and and make people aware that that people a lot of people suffered and, and died on on our behalf on on their behalf so they can stay safe. I have to tell you, I'm about 15 years older than you, and I know I don't look at stop stop stop, but um, <laughs> you don't. <laughs> How did you stole the words out of my mouth? <laughs> but every time this this subject comes up, I'm always reminded. I moved to New York City in 1985 after graduating from college at Syracuse University, and I was a struggling actor for a year until I got my first big gig, and in that year, I was waiting tables like a lot of people, and I had all these friends and blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. And during that time, someone I knew was diagnosed, and in four and a half weeks, were gone. Wow. It happened. So it's good that you share that with people because I know you have a, a younger audience, and people know you from America's Got Talent, and they're going to read that, and they're going to understand, you know, there was a different mindset at a different time. And, you know, that's not news necessarily, but to hear it one-on-one and especially the detail and the emotion and the humanity that you put behind your storytelling, I think it's going to resonate with a lot of readers. Thank you. Uh, I also think, you know, in, in the in the times that we're living in now, amidst COVID-19, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. HIV was a, was a virus that yes. caught the world by surprise. Anthony Fauci, who was the hero of the HIV, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm sure you know this, Dr. Anthony, now we see him on TV every day because he's the infectious disease guy, but but he was really leading the pack on HIV diagnoses back in the day, and now here he is handling the coronavirus thing for the White House. Yeah, he served six presidents. It's crazy to think about that. It's, It's living proof, I'm living proof that Viruses come and go, and we will we'll beat this one too. Mm-hmm. We'll we'll get through it. It's 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 a human thing that happens. Pandemics happen, um, and we just need to be prepared for them next time and figure out how to deal with it. But I'm I'm just I'm happy to be able to tell this story right now because I think a lot of people are anxious about what's what's going on in the world for many different reasons, and um, I hope this story at least provides some hope that people will, will understand that they. To humanity will always survive. We will always adjust. We will always adapt. That's what we do. I agree, and I'm glad you said that. Two things about music that jumped out at me. One, so upfront in the book, and it resonated with me as a singer also, because music was my salvation as a child. Mm, me too. And you make it so clear that it was your safe place, that it was this thing that you discovered that was where you could go. And it started with piano, and then you didn't even know you could. The funny thing to me is you started music by learning to play piano, and then 
you practically talked into learning to sing or being a singer, which is funny to me because yes. of this voice. Yeah, I I knew I was gay from a very young age. I I remember being, oh, I want to say in second grade, third yes, grade, I had a, a dream about a classmate of mine. So I didn't, but I didn't have anyone to turn to or talk to about it. And it it's not that I want to create the scene that I was having a pity party for myself, but it's just the truth. I, I, I grew up in a conservative family and I had sports loving family. And I mean, how does a, a 12 year old in the eighties identify as gay to their parents? It's not something that was heard of at the time. So I really, I had no one to, to talk to about it and it just wasn't safe sharing my feelings with anyone. So I, I found safety and comfort in my music. It's, it feels like music was my only friend at the time. And that's where I put, put all my energy. And I suppose that's why it's still my safe place. When, when I'm having a, a bad day, I go downstairs to the piano and I sing something and it makes me feel better. It makes me feel good inside again, still to this day. And I think it'll always be that way. Also, you mentioned, like, I think your, your, your audition for your first choir, I think it was in high school, and they said, so, yeah. well, how about Happy Birthday in my country, tis of thee? And I was in the Texas Boys Choir when I was in middle school, which is an internationally renowned, acclaimed boys choir, blah, blah, blah. I liked singing, and I auditioned. And, and back then, and you might relate to this maybe, I had no fear. I remember going to the audition. It was held in front of people, and they said, sing my country, tis of thee. Brandon, I sang with abandon. And I was the first guy to stand up and sing. I sang so freely. I don't, I don't know how good it was, but I sang so freely. The people in the room applauded. The other people who were auditioning, I just remember, well, that's nice. Then I would come to find out that, that I'm not necessarily the most gifted singer. I'm, I'm a B plus. I'm not a, I'm an, I'm not a great singer. I'm not Brandon James. But I liked singing, but and I've always okay. liked singing. Yeah, I'm super jealous of you, Randy, because I can't – I have moments where I can kind of let go like that in front of people, but I, I can't ever really fully commit myself. And passion is at least 50% of it. So I'm, I'm sure your performance was amazing. Trust me, uh, uh, my first boyfriend beat that confidence out of me and, um, <laughs> and made me question myself for the rest of my life. But I, I've always remembered how I just liked singing and the power it had for me. And throughout the book, you talk about this and and what a, a thing it was for you i also love that the book has so many adventures for you because you talk about moving from home your big job in switzerland your first big job really mm -hmm. like what an incredible yeah. thing that you like you you finish school early so you can go sing in switzerland of all things what an incredible adventure i'm i'm so grateful that travel found me at an early age and yeah. uh, still chasing me all over the place yeah, I, I just I feel fortunate to have traveled as a, a young person. It really it grounds you as a human being. You learn so much. It's humbling. It's challenging. Uh, you meet lifelong friends. All that sort of stuff. Yeah, I would have never been able to do that with without my music. I had no clue what I wanted to do. If I wanted to go to college, no clue. Isn't that amazing? Every time I talk to people about traveling. And I've been lucky to go to Europe and go to Australia and uh, North and South America. And one of the things that I'm always surprised because I'm a little blonde kid from Texas. And I have so many <laughs> friends that have never 
moved away from my hometown. And I'm not saying one's good or better or worse or anything, but I moved away. I went to upstate New York for school. I went to New York for 10, 15 years. I moved to L.A. for 10 years. I moved to Las Vegas. And I'm sure you feel the same way. I hate to be a, uh, to have an assumption like that, but one of the things that always brings me back to what travel brings to us is how you learn to realize that things can be different in different places. People can be different in different places and that that's a good thing and that we can, that's okay. And sometimes that surprises people. Like, well, if it's not what I know, then it's wrong. And then you come home and you encounter mm -hmm. those people and you kind of want to go, well, no, there can be all kinds of things. It does help you adapt to every situation. Mm -hmm. and, and it helped me understand some of my faults too. The ability to understand other people served me later in life when, when I was trying to figure out how how it is that I still can identify as a as a Christian and a and a gay person because because uh the two concepts are are, are so opposite on some ends of the spectrum. But so I, I really had to understand where my family was coming from and, and how deep rooted they are in their faith for me to to understand why they were feeling that way and then to learn how to to come together again and and put our our differences aside and realize that, that love is more important than all of that. It's so true. And I, I was going to touch on it. I won't, but I will say uh, to the listeners, make sure you don't miss the story of Brandon's mother coming to visit and she leaves behind a letter. And I'll just say that <laughs> because cause I want people to go look for it now. But that was very powerful. I sat there going, I know exactly how you felt to a degree, just what a ride that must have been after all those years of thinking that you'd closeted yourself. But it was, it, you wrote it very well. It was very intriguing and, and engaging. And, and I had to go back and reread a few paragraphs because I thought, I just want to make sure I get all this right. Um, you you are like an encyclopedia of my book. I'm going to take you on tour with me. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, will, I will say this. Uh, I'll tell you, Brandon, I don't, I don't do book interviews very often. I don't. I write daily for Instinct Magazine. I write the Randy Report every day. I've, uh, I report the news, and, and I'm so used to uh, my style of things is small bites and the details and getting it out there and blah, blah, blah. And, and so people pitch me music all the time, and I, I'll get a pitch. I'll listen to a song, and if I like it, I'll write about it. Um, when it comes to books, though, we are committing to four or five hours of Randy's time. Not that that anyone should be happy that I did that, but I just don't do it because I have a famously short attention span. I did not put your book down. I did not. I, oh, say, wow. I read your book in one sitting. So that was really? the point of what I was saying with all of it. I, I feel bad. I get so many book pitches. One last thing I have to touch on because it's such an incredible chapter in anyone's life, I think, on so many levels, is we have to talk about America's Got Talent. Please. <laughs> First of all, I remember watching you, and you were awesome. And reading your book again, it took me back to there's so much stuff that happens. And I was particularly taken with, at the end of the adventure, you were surprised that you were, I hate the word, eliminated. But then you're out, you're done. But then it's it's this great credit. There's this great adventure. It's this great thing that that, that opens doors for you in some way. Yeah, it it is really interesting how you're kind of associated with the show for, I mean, maybe forever. All of us are, and I have so many friends that were 
from my season and other season and, and other friends from American Idol and, and The Voice, and you just kind of all bond because you've been to this really bizarre public competition together. Mm-hmm. Um, you you all know what that feels like. And I, I always jokingly say it was it's kind of like being on a game show and in a nightmare at the same time. And, <laughs> and I don't mean that to discredit America's Got Talent at all, but um, just the pressure of the competition and what your inner psyche tells you about how good you are, not good you are. And it really does strange things to you. I I was surprised at how talentless I felt when I was eliminated. I wasn't expecting that because everyone else around me was like, Brandon, you just made it to the finals. And I thought, well, I failed. That's, I, I didn't see it that way. It was really, yeah. And I wasn't expecting that. I was kind of broadsided by that. And it's all a great thing. It seems to me it's like you it's great exposure you meet all these great people but but the pressures and all of it there's it's like this incredible tapestry with all these colors that when you look at it from a distance oh that's pretty but when you get up close there's so many tiny little details and colors and threads yeah it is it's really interesting uh, i'm so grateful for it though for having that experience and obviously it's even seven years later Coming up on seven years later, it's still delivering. So I'm, I'm very, very grateful for that. The, the last question I have to ask, and this is something I usually do with people who have just recorded a new album. Um, is there anything that you wrote down that you took out of the book? Anything that you just suddenly went either, oh, this doesn't fit the narrative or mm, I'm not going to put this in there? Yes, there were actually. And yes, there were, there were some things that I was even more transparent about to take out and um the reason being is that it just like you said it didn't fit the narrative some of the details may have just read as shocking and not necessarily a part of the overarching story so um like yeah i was even more transparent about about substance abuse and you know about um sexual behavior and about having and and having no self-esteem that was driving that those things yeah, I, I, I guess uh, the litmus test was was sending it to my mom. So much, so much of the book involved her, and I really wanted her to read it for better or for worse. You know, she she, she really enjoyed it, and I didn't change anything in it. And she was very, very kind and very um, complimentary that I was so brave. But she did say, you know, some of the things I read are too much information for a parent, and I can understand that. It, I suppose if if my mom went to explicit detail about about some of her things in the past that I wouldn't want to read them either. <laughs> I just think Lyrics of My Life is a terrific read. Like I said, I did not put it down. It felt like so many chapters. And one of the things I think some people lose sight of sometimes is uh, all of our lives are chapters. And, mm-hmm. and it's okay that things can be chapters. Relationships are chapters. Uh, work experiences are chapters, and sometimes we think of things in the long, big picture, and it's all just one long Brandon James movie. But the book comes off as all of these episodes and chapters, and it reminds me how there's not really a beginning or end to all of – well, I guess there is the beginning and the end. But other than that, along the way, we kind of experience things as one long adventure, and it's it. there was something comforting to remind me that, you know – Sometimes we do this for a while, and then the next thing happens, and the next thing happens, and next things are good. 
Um, sometimes people get sad that something ends when the good news is something ends because something can begin. So mm-hmm. um, write that down. That's a Hallmark card somewhere. I want credit for that one. But no, I, it was a really <laughs> good read for me. I, I really enjoyed it very much. So congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for taking the time to, to read it and to, to spend your afternoon with me. I really appreciate it. And congratulations on the book. It's terrific. Thank you. I will uh, give James your best, and please uh, send my love to Michael. I will, and hopefully soon we'll all be in Puerto Vallarta soon and having margaritas, and we'll be in the audience with you guys performing. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> We'd really like that. I can't wait. All my best to James. <laughs> Thank you so much, Brandon. Thank you. Take care of yourself. Thanks again to Brandon for taking the time to chat. Lyrics of My Life, My Journey with Family, HIV, and Reality TV is available now at all major booksellers. I'll have a link in the show notes. And that brings me to the end of this episode of The Randy Report. If you enjoy catching up on LGBTQ news in a quick podcast, I'd appreciate it if you would share it with your friends. I like to think of The Randy Report as the 60 minutes of gay news, only shorter. And remember, you can find me every day on the internet at therandyreport.com, where I cover the daily news cycle regarding politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBTQ community and its allies. I'm going to close out this episode with Brandon and James' cover of the Righteous Brothers hit, Unchained Melody. Just a few quick reminders. Please wear a face mask in public, wash your hands a lot, practice social distancing, and take care of yourselves. Thanks for listening, folks. See you next time. To the sea, to the sea, to the 